everyone. Welcome back to Reading by Flashlight. I hope you've had an awesome Thursday. Hope you've had an awesome week. And today we're going to be continuing our sixth series, which is Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. In today's episode, we're going to be going through chapters 26 to 30. Make sure to check out previous episodes if you have not already. And make sure to check out previous seasons like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which is also written by Jules Verne, and Daughter of the Deep, which was inspired by 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So chapter 26 is titled An Encounter with Buffalo. So it took Phileas Fogg about seven days to cover the distance between San Francisco to New York. It's about 3,768 miles. And they had a delay while they were doing this trip because they came across a herd of buffalo who were crossing the track. So obviously, the buffalo were very slow and the trains had to stop to let them pass. So Fogg wasn't too upset about it. He knew that they would be able to uh, retake the time. But Passepartout was kind of furious about this. He was like, he wanted to shoot the animals at this point, but he's like, I obviously can't do that here. And there was just nothing to do but wait. And he's getting all angry here, and I don't understand why. Like, he's not even the one who placed the bet. He's like, what a country! Animals shouldn't be allowed to just stop trains. Why not just run the buffalo down? But obviously, that's not even a good idea, because the force of the engine against the buffalo would easily be able to, like, derail the train. And that would cause an even worse delay than the delay from having to wait for the buffaloes. So it took about three hours for all of them to cross the track. So the train wasn't able to move until nightfall. And so at eight o'clock, they arrived at Salt Lake City in Utah. Chapter 27 is called Passepartout Learns Some Mormon History. So Salt Lake City was a center of the Mormon religion. Mormon leaders often gave lectures on railroad trains to find new followers. So Passepartout, who had heard that Mormons were allowed to have more than one wife, decided to attend a lecture by a certain elder whose name, they call him Elder Hitch. So you could tell most of the audience had quickly lost interest in the lecture, and so Passepartout found himself alone in the car with the Mormon. And this man, whose name, who is referred to as Elder Hitch, is, shot, is shouting, we Mormons will never bow to force and pressure. We've been driven out of many parts of the United States, but we will continue to practice our religion. And he says, will you join us, brother? So, and Passepartout just yells no, and then walks back to Phileas Fogg's car. So the train was about to pull out of the Salt Lake City station, and a man was running breathlessly onto the platform. And he was dashing along the tracks and just jumped aboard the moving train. And then he, once he was able to recover from his breath, he declared that he had ran, run away from a quarrel with his quarrel with his wife. And so Passepartout was like, but how many other wives do you have? And so he's like, I have only one wife, and that is enough. Chapter 28 is titled, A Jump Across a Bridge. So on December 7th, the train stopped at the Green River Station, and Awuda, the woman who's been traveling with them so far, saw Colonel Stamp Proctor on the platform. And remember, this was the man who had punched Fix a previous couple, not previous, previous, some, little, little, I can't talk, a few chapters ago. And so she's saying, we have to keep this man away from Mr. Fogg. And Fix says, don't worry. Before he settles with Mr. Fogg, he asks, he's going to have to settle with me. It was I that he knocked down. And Awuda says, Mr. Fix, Mr. Fogg will not let anyone else fight for him. He said that he would return to America just to find the colonel. If they meet now, something terrible is going to happen. 
And so Passepartout says, listen, let's just make sure that Mr. Fogg doesn't leave his car until we reach New York. That way he won't see Colonel Proctor. The best way to keep him in his car is to get him into a game of whist. So Awuda and Fix both knew how to play this card game. So Passepartout got the cards and they all played the game. But then suddenly a loud whistle blew and the train just came to a stop. Fogg sent Passepartout to find out what was wrong. And the engineer explained that the bridge wasn't strong enough to hold the train to go across. So they wired for another train to come, but the train wasn't going to reach them for at least six hours. And it will take them that long to at least walk there. So what are they going to do? So most of their options are just going to cause more delays. And it was nothing that money could solve. Like it wasn't anything that he could just hand over money and say, bring me here. Like everything was going to cause a delay. So the engineer says, well, maybe there is a way to cross the bridge after all. But then Passepartout is like, but the bridge isn't safe, you said. And so the engineer says, well, that doesn't matter. If we run the train at top speed, we'll have a chance to get across. But Passepartout is like, that's way too risky. And he's like, at least we might cross the bridge on foot and let the train follow us. So Colonel Proctor is like, don't be afraid. Now, where'd he come from? And so the conductor's like, all aboard. So Phileas Fogg never even lifted his head from the card table. So the engine backed up the train for almost a mile in order to get a good start. And then the train moved forward again, picking up his speed. And it was going around 100 miles an hour. So then suddenly, the train leapt over the bridge. And it went five miles further on the other side before the engineer could slow it down. The passengers were safe. But as soon as the train had passed, the bridge had fallen with a loud crash into the river below. Chapter 29 is titled Duels and Indians. So the journey from San Francisco to New York was almost halfway over. The train had gone over a thousand miles in three days, and in another four days they would be in New York. So Mr. Fogg was exactly on time. So right now, Fogg and Detective Fix were really busy playing Whist, the card game. They didn't hear someone come up behind them. And someone, who we find out is Colonel Stamp Proctor, said, I would play a diamond, Englishman. So Phileas Fogg lays a ten of spades on the table. And he says, I would rather have diamonds play than spades, the colonel said. You really don't know how to play whist. So then Detective Fix stands up. And he says, you forgot, Colonel Proctor, that you must deal with meat, for you struck and insulted me in San Francisco. And so Fogg is saying, no, Mr. Fix, this is my affair and I'll handle it. The colonel has insisted that I play a spade. He won't get away with it. So Colonel Proctor says, I'm ready to fight a duel with you. You choose the weapon. So Fogg went out to the platform, followed by the American. And so Fogg is saying, Sir, I'm in a great hurry to get back to Europe. I cannot allow anything to delay me. Will you meet me here in six months? And he says, You're just looking for an excuse not to fight. It's now or never. And so Fogg says, All right, are you going to New York? He said, No, I'm not. I'm going to the next station over. The train is going to stop there in 10 minutes. That will give us time to exchange a few shots. So Fogg says, Very well, I'll stop there too. So he returned to his car and finished the game. So when the train reached the station, the conductor said, Gentlemen, you can't get off. We're 20 minutes late and we can't stop here. But Foggs is saying, but we have to fight our duel. He says, how about fighting as we move along? And so the two men agreed to this. This is really stupid. Someone's going to get hurt. So the last car of the train was chosen for the duel. So Phileas and Colonel Proctor were to march towards each other from opposite ends of the car. And then, you know, how like they turn around and then they fire. So like they stand back to back. They take... I don't remember how many steps forward, turn around and fire. 
So as the countdown was beginning, gunfire was heard from the front end of the train. And from out of nowhere, just this band of Indians had attacked. So they were running through the cars. They were fighting hand-to-hand -hand with the screaming passengers. They climbed into the engine. They tried to stop the train. But instead of closing the steam valve, they opened it really wide, which was causing the train to rush forward at top speed. And so the conductor was saying, unless the train is stopped in five minutes, we're all going to be lost. You know, this, we're only two minutes away, two miles away from our stop, and the soldiers there can help us. So Passepartout was saying the train has to be stopped. But before Phileas Fogg could stop him, he opened a door and slipped under the car. And a few minutes later, the train came to a stop a few feet from the station. So they fixed it somehow. And chapter 30, the last chapter we'll go over, is called A Prisoner of the Indians. So by holding on to the metal chains that were under the cars, the train cars, Passepartout had managed to swing from the back end of the train to the front. He loosened the safety chain that joined, joined the engines to the other cars, and the jolts of the, the train broke the engine loose. So when the train came to a stop, however, Passepartout and two other passengers were missing. So the Indians, who fled at the first sight of the soldiers, had taken th three of the prisoners. And Phileas is saying to Awuda, I'm going to find Passepartout dead or alive. And this decision might have well costed Fogg his 20,000 pound bet, because he cannot, at this point, he can't afford to lose a single day but he still doesn't want to abandon his friend. So Fogg is saying, three passengers have been taken prisoner. Will you go after them, the Indians? And so he says, the commander, he's saying, I can't do that, sir. I have to protect the fort from Indian attacks. But Fogg is saying, but the lives of three men are at stake. He's saying that may be true, but I can't risk the lives of 50 or 100 men to save three. And so Fogg says, very well, then I'll go alone. But he says, you can't handle the Indians alone. So Fogg says, do you expect me to let Passepartout die after he saved all of our lives? So the commander, he said, you're a brave man. You know what? I'm going to send 30 men to help you. So they do that. And Fogg promises to divide $5,000 among them if they bring the prisoner back alive. So I guess it's around 166 something dollars for them each. So Awuda and Fix, they're waiting anxiously for Fogg to return and Fix fears that the robber, and when it's referring to the robber, it's referring to Fogg because he thinks Fogg is a robber. He thought that he used this chance to escape for good with the stolen money. And then a whistle sounds. The engineer was running to the locomotive back to join the stranded train, and he says, we have to start at once. We are way behind schedule. So Wuda was saying, well, what about the prisoners? And he's like, it's impossible to wait for them. So she says, well, I'm going to be staying behind then to make sure that they come back okay. So the train sped off into the distance. Night came, and there was still no sign of fog in the soldiers. At dawn, the fort commander was ready to give up his soldiers as lost. But suddenly, they appeared in the distance along with the prisoners. And that is the end of chapter 30. So make sure to come back next week as we figure out what happens. We'll be going over chapters 31 through 35. Make sure to check out the previous episodes if you haven't already. And until next week, goodbye.